Welcome back to another episode of Life is Full of Daisies, where we talk all things life. I'm Daisy Ayala, and I'm so excited you're all back for another episode. On today's episode, we're going to talk about human and sex trafficking. And I know that this is going to be a hard topic to discuss and sometimes even hear or listen, but I felt truly in my heart that God put that urgency for me to have this discussion so that we're all more knowledgeable and aware, especially since we all live in Houston, because we can be much more impactful together if we are aware and we are knowledgeable about what's going on. So I am joined by the amazing Sam Hernandez, who is the creator of Elijah Rising Goods and works with Elijah Rising. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm so grateful and thankful for you taking the time to just talk to me and to all of educate all my listeners on this very specific topic. Let's get started by you telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Sam Hernandez. I've been with Elijah Rising for about seven years now. And I, like you said, I founded our social enterprise, Elijah Rising Goods, so that the women we serve, which are survivors of sex trafficking, would have a place to be employed while they're in our safe Mm -hmm. home. And so Elijah Rising is an anti-trafficking organization. We mainly focus on raising awareness, intervening and recovering help or assisting in the recovery of uh, women who have survived sex trafficking. We have a safe home right outside of Houston. And yeah, and so that's kind of my role with them. I do a lot of different things as far as awareness and the social enterprise, but I also work with some of our amazing volunteers and mobilize people, mobilizing people to see how they can best engage in the fight against sex trafficking. Wow. You do a lot. That's kind of the nonprofit thing. You wear a lot of hats usually. (laughs) Hey, that makes you very versatile. So how did you even get involved in Elijah Rising? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if it's started with me the way it's going to start with every single person, no matter how deeply involved they are. I I found out about sex trafficking. I found out that this horrible evil was happening. And I I just was shocked. I was outraged. And then I was even more shocked when I realized it was happening in my hometown of Houston, Texas. So as soon as I kind of encountered the shock... I decided that it just Mm -hmm. felt like a natural fit for something for me to do was to try to find some sort of local expression of fighting sex trafficking. And I, and I had a really hard time because I had this imposter syndrome, like, well, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a social worker. How could I possibly do anything to help? Yeah. Um, So I just began to find that I I found these brothels and I say brothels. I, I, I mean, like those massage parlors that are open late that are actually not massage parlors or women being sold for sex inside of them. We found out that these were operational really oh. close to where we were living. And so me and a couple of friends just started going oh, wow. and meeting these women, bringing them gifts, communicating with them and learning their stories and walking through the issue, like by looking at the people it was affecting. And that's how my journey began. And I was like, I have got to get people mm-hmm. in front of these places so that they can see what's happening and that we can help these women and men. So were you like scared or nervous about even going and approaching these places because I know for me I it intimidates me to even try to do something like that yeah it was terrifying but the thing is is like I'm a I don't know if y'all like the Enneagram um I'm a three and so like my friends were watching me and so as I approached like one of the first doors I'm like terrified and I remember praying like oh my god please let it be please let it be locked please let it be locked (laughs) but it was unlocked and all my friends were behind me uh, and I had to just pretend like, Oh yeah, I'm not afraid. I'm just going to go in. And, and so, yes, I was afraid, but I didn't want to be, I didn't want to show anyone I was afraid. (laughs) And then I stopped being afraid. It became very natural. It's funny how it all works that way. Mm -hmm. So once you started doing that, then is that when you started immersing yourself into more of doing things for with Elijah rising or 
Is that? Well, that it's kind of strange. So I started doing that and I became like addicted to that part of the ministry and that part of being able to just one-on-one encounter these women and, and also see like really great moments of breakthrough. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do something. I want this to be my life. So I begged Elijah Rising to hire me. I begged them for so long and they said no. <laughs> Mm-hmm. because they didn't actually what? have any, they didn't have any money. They weren't hiring anybody. You know, I thought they were this big organization, but actually it was just like a few people volunteering their time under a brand new nonprofit. So after a long time of begging, they finally got enough budget to hire me like part-time and they did. And so that's, that's how I got involved with them. But I, I fully showed up to one of their meetings with like a 20 slide slideshow of how I wanted to help end sex trafficking in Houston. And they're like, wow, calm down, but yes, you can, let's do it. So They've been amazingly gracious to me. They had just been existing for like a year when I jumped on. Oh, okay. So go go into a little bit about what, like what Elijah Rising is and what their mission is, what they do, and how long they've been an organization for. Right. Yes. So they were an officially a 501c3 in 2013, around the time that I joined. But before that, they had been doing awareness. And so Elijah Rising really was founded as a group of friends that prayed together. They were a prayer group Mm -hmm. of people who said, look, this is an evil. We don't know what to do. We're just going to pray. And then out of that became, they moved into awareness where they realized where all these, these places were, these brothels, these bars that were fronts for sex trafficking. They realized where these places were and they started driving people around and pointing them out and saying, this is this place. This is that place. And this is what's happened here. And it's all in front of us. It's right in front of us. It's hidden in plain sight. So then it became an actual program that we still have called the Van tours, the awareness fan tours, where it's like a documentary on wheels. And then from there, they grew into interventions where they sent people to the places like what I was doing with resources for women and men to get help out of sex trafficking. And that's one of the programs that kind of I helped develop with Elijah Rising was how to safely engage these types of nefarious Mm. locations with possibilities to get women out. But then there was a problem. Women were getting rescued from sex trafficking. So where were they going to go? There was only six beds in the city of Houston. So we then bought an 84 acre property that kind of fell in our lap. Mm-hmm. And in 2015, we bought that property. And then last year, October of 2019, we opened our safe home program. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't, e- I wasn't even aware of uh, like all that y'all were doing. I, now I have, I do know about the van tours. One of my coworkers actually last year went on one and she mm-hmm. was good. She told some of us to go with her, but I couldn't go because I had another commitment. Mm-hmm. And then I remember like, okay, I'm going to make a point to do it. And then that was kind of towards the end of last year. And then COVID happened. And so then can't do much at all. So when are y'all going to start shows up? Yeah, we're thinking January because actually we are relaunching the van. This is like insider information. Nobody knows this right now, but we're relaunching the van. You guys are getting tips. Uh (laughs) It'll be with a totally different experience. We actually installed screens in the van and we're working with recording a digital interviews with law enforcement, survivors of human trafficking, advocates who've been in the field to answer the most asked questions that when people go on the van tour, they say, well, what are the police doing about it? Instead of us communicating, having someone who's like in a vice division communicate the limitations of what they are able to do, sharing you know, stories of women who have lived experiences with human trafficking, them sharing their perspective on some of those questions of why don't the women leave? Why don't they run away? Why don't they stand up to their traffickers and, and try to unfold a little bit of complex PSD in a way that 
the driver doesn't just have to communicate an issue, but you're hearing it from the person that is the expert, most informed person while driving and seeing the places where it's happening. So it's going to be like a moving documentary. Oh, that's going to, that sounds amazing. I mean, I can't wait till y'all start it because I, I, I would definitely want to do a van tour. I really think it's going to be something that no one has ever seen or done before. And we're really excited. And honestly, we were supposed to launch it this fall. So we're really sad that it has to be pushed back. But the day that we started shooting, the city like re-shut down. And so we wanted to be as safe as possible. No, yeah, that's totally understandable. Oh, and a fact that I found in is what July 30th was a world day against trafficking. Yes. Which world day against I'm sure a lot of people probably, yeah. And I'm sure, and I wanted to have a podcast out around that same time, but I couldn't get it coordinated and life happened. But a lot of people or a lot of my friends, I was very surprised that a lot of them actually were more aware than I thought they were about human trafficking in general. And it just kind of filled my heart because it's like, okay, if people are finally posting about it and they're not afraid to like speak up and put awareness to this situation. Yeah, it was incredible. We were we were shocked at how many like influencers tagged our organization to say, hey, look for more information here, which, you know, people kind of judge. I find a lot of people will be like, oh, you're posting about it. What's that going to do but it really helps our organization so much and they share a post from Elijah Rising. It's extremely helpful when anyone shares any of our blogs or our posts because what it does is it, it engages the algorithm on any social media and let's say you share one of our podcasts. Well all of your friends who see that on your feed mm-hmm. The algorithm then says, oh, well, we're going to start sharing more stuff to them. And it'll suggest our our feed, our posts, our awareness to them. And then so that expands mm-hmm. our internet reach for awareness. And so anytime someone shares our stuff, you are helping us engage the movement to share about facts and also to like encourage people to support survivor care. So that is a huge, huge help. Well, well then we'll be, don't worry, we'll ha- be posting plenty, plenty more because I'm, I'm definitely committed to this cause. Um, like I said, it's something that I felt God really started to kind of stir in my heart. And it's like he kept pushing me to do it because I've been afraid to talk about yeah. it because you just don't know how people will respond. And I yeah. had one friend actually on my Instagram who like she started during the pandemic, you started seeing a lot about the pedophilia and then the child Mm -hmm. sex trafficking and abuse. And she started vocally putting stuff out there. And I told her, I was like, you know, I'm so proud of you for doing that because a lot of people are so afraid to lose friends because they don't agree with what you're doing. And honestly, this is an issue that is worldwide and we need to save humans, just save people in general from being trafficked. Yes, absolutely. One thing I will say though, in the midst of when it gets really popular, and this is something for you and all of your listeners to watch out for, is sometimes the stories mm-hmm. of sex trafficking get swept up with the like, I know this is like a hot button word, I don't mean it to be, but with like the conspiracies of sex trafficking. So like the Wayfair thing uh-huh. or the, and or the abduction stories. There's always these abduction stories of like, watch out, you could get it, your kids could get abducted like this. And those are really distracting and sometimes even harmful to the cause. And the reason is, is that most people are trafficked by people they know. They're groomed by people that are around their family. I know victims are uh, of trafficking who were trafficked by their parents. They weren't abducted. And when they're communicating, yes, I know three people who are trafficked by their parents just in my life. 
<gasps> and it's wow. And this is the thing is when we when we tell the stories of the abductions, you, I want you to guess. This is maybe good for you and your listeners. Listeners, so from zero percent mm-hmm. to a hundred percent, what percentage of trafficking cases do you think are abduction based? Like the tra- the person or the child was abducted in order to be trafficked. Uh, I would guess like fifty percent. What if I told you that was a lot closer to four percent? What four percent? See yes. misconception. Yes, and this is why. So let's say. I I want people to actually think about this. If I abduct somebody, Mm -hmm. their number one thing is like, I got to get away. I have to run away. I have to get out. Like I am in trouble. But Mm-hmm. What if instead, which is this is the majority of what we see, and this is one type of grooming, we see a grooming model. So let's pretend, let's say I'm 13. I'm 13 years old. We'll make a, a fake story, but it's very similar. I have a history of like sexual abuse, which is like just being a woman. And I'm I'm 14. And also my parents aren't, we're not getting along right now because I really want to be free and I want to be out in the world, but they're like Mm -hmm. trying to tell me that I'm still a kid. And then I meet an older guy on Instagram. Let's say he says he's 18, maybe he's 25 or no, no. You know what? I meet a girl Mm -hmm. on Instagram. She's 18. She's beautiful. She goes, Hey girly, you're so cool. Just wanted to let you know we're having a party tonight. If you want to hang out when you're 14 and someone older and cool wants to spend time with you, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. It seems safe. Cause it's another girl. She's like, I just want to take you under my wing. Then you go to this party and she gives you free drugs or she gives you alcohol and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And let's say that keeps on happening for months and you just have this new friend and you think I'm growing up. I have this cool group of friends I'm hanging out with. And she says, you know what? Your parents, the way that they talk to you is really, um, it's like embarrassing. And I would never talk to you that way. And if you ever want a real family, like we could help you. And then you're like, well, no, I'm (gasps) fine. And then one day your dad yells at you and it's like, you have to be home by eight o'clock. And then this girl's like, oh my gosh, you're a grown woman. Like you do not need to have a curfew. That is so ridiculous. Or what happens if maybe that dad is even somewhat emotionally abusive and you think, man, this family sucks. And then you have this other person whispering in your ear, like, look, my family, my daddy, because they'll sometimes call pimps daddy. They'll say he would always Mm -hmm. take care of you. You would have, and we can have it so that you can make your own money. You can live your own life. You can be free. And they're planting these seeds until one day something happens at your house where you're like, oh my gosh, you get in trouble, you get grounded and you're like, oh my gosh, I hate my parents. And then you text this person like, hey, can you come get me? I'm my family's crazy. And then they use that moment to capitalize on that vulnerability. This happens all of the time through social media. It's a long-term grooming process. Now let's take it a different step is what if you met someone Mm -hmm. online that you thought was like your online boyfriend and you share a nude photo. This happened to a person that we were helping where she shared a nude photo and then he said, by the way, she thought she was on like some private account. He said, this is your entire, you know, eighth grade class at your Christian school. I'm going to send them all this nude photo. If you don't send me a video <gasps> of you doing this sexually explicit item. So then he started blackmailing this person. So this child was about to willingly go meet with this person. And most victimized people will not say that they were abducted. They will not say that they were taken advantage of. They will say, well, I did some really stupid things and this is the life I chose. But then when you look at the beginning history, there's grooming, there's manipulation, there's cult mentality, brainwashing, slowly engaging. Mm -hmm. And it's usually like a friend, a boyfriend, or even an acquaintance. And so that way, when you have that person in your sex trafficking ring, you don't have to worry about them running away. 
They think their family won't take them back. They're seen as bad kids, runaways. They think that this is their fault, that they, they're not worth anything because these traffickers have beaten down their self-esteem. And that is so much more effective than tying someone up because the only thing that holds them in abduction is physical bonds. But these other, the other way, it's emotional, mm-hmm. mani- mental manipulation, and they will keep coming back to you. Wow. I mean, I've heard of this. I mean, I've, I think we've seen shows, documentaries, and all mm-hmm. sorts of things on it but we choose to kind of think oh that could never happen people why are people so stupid but it's like no the reality is when you're young you can easily be manipulated and coerced to do whatever they want you to absolutely do. yeah or if you're an adult and, and you have a baby to feed and some guy comes along and says that he can make all your dreams come true and then one day you're out with him mm-hmm. and you don't know where your kid is maybe you said you all left the kid with the, the the pimp's mom and all of a sudden he says you better work on the street and bring home a thousand dollars or you're not coming home and you don't know where your baby is those types of moments are so defining and then she will always see it as like well i said yes and a lot of these women think they just have abusive boyfriends or he's misunderstood it's, it's so heartbreaking. And like Charles Manson, the cult leader who had all those, oh, he, yeah, mm-hmm. he manipulated women to commit murders on his behalf. He never committed a single murder on his own, but he learned how to, how to control people from pimps and traffickers in prison. What? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. If you listen to his story, when he was in jail, he met some sex traffickers mm-hmm. or pimps and they said, listen, to control a woman, you have to make her believe that she is garbage and that you are the only answer to her life problem. And he used those tactics to convince these people that he was a god. And he had these hippies from like Berkeley commit heinous murders at their bare hands because they were so brainwashed and manipulated. Sex trafficking is, they use like a cult mentality. That's the best way I could describe it. And that's the a lot of ways wow. that my, it, my clients have described it. Oh, wow. And then like for you, what, what exactly is your role at Elijah Rising? Are you in charge of the Elijah Rising Goods store? So I do a couple You do a lot things. of things. Yeah, the main, I mean, I do, I, I found a line of goods that we do. So I, I oversee the program of, of like economic empowerment with the women by getting them into our store. And I strategize like sales and goals to keep the goods line moving. I also help with a lot of the content mm-hmm. creation, storytelling piece of what we do. And I help with our volunteers, mm-hmm. but the, the Elijah Rising social enterprise is probably the majority of my job to make sure that keeps going. And I, I call, I tell the ladies, I'm like a holy hustle coach. <laughs> That's kind of how holy I, hustle. I like that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I always tell them like Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 mm-hmm. woman, most of that verse is about entrepreneurship. If you really read it. Mm-hmm. And I encourage the women that come in to say, I believe that all women have the ability to be providers, to be hustlers, so to speak, and to make a way in the world economically in a way that's empowering and feels healthy and balanced. And uh, so that's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun to encourage them in that. Oh, well, I'm, I'm so glad that you're a part of this because you obviously love it and it's, yeah. you've, it's your purpose and passion and you're doing great things with it. So we love Thank that. You. So then let's get into like, what is actual, is it, I mean, it's both sex and human trafficking or what's the actual like term to, mm. for, to call it? Yeah. So human trafficking is an umbrella term that covers labor trafficking mm-hmm. and sex trafficking. So human trafficking is any time someone uses force, fraud, or coercion to get to get someone to commit some kind of act of labor or sex that they wouldn't have regularly done without pay or without you know proper right compensation, things like that. Sex trafficking mm-hmm. is just when it's in the commercial sex industry of any kind 
any type of sex act. And so every, all of our clients are sex trafficked. They have been sex trafficked in some way. Oh. And so I'll say you could refer to sex trafficking as a type of human trafficking, but not all human trafficking is sex trafficking. That kind of makes sense. Got you. No, that makes perfect sense. So what do y'all do y'all deal with a lot of both or most of you specialize that y'all Yeah, we specialize uh -huh. in sex trafficking because it's a very specific okay. type of trauma. So all of our all of our therapies surround recovering from specifically sex trafficking. Uh and then so, because I've heard that Houston is one of the mecca centers for sex trafficking, particularly. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. what what are the age ranges that you normally see? Is it's not just older women? I mean, do y'all see a broad range or? Yeah, there's a big range. The average age of entry is like 12 to 14. We've dealt with people who were trafficked as young toddlers up to the ages of being adulthood. There is no age range. It's any human, yeah. unfortunately, but we do see a lot of young women in their 20s. And and it's kind of sad because some people really don't care about the adults. They think like, no, we need to just save the children. We need to save the children, save the children. And then they'll call us and say, hey, well, who do you serve? And we'll say, well, we, we're a facility that serves adult women. And they feel like kind of like, oh, never mind. And the thing is, is that most of, or a lot of the women that we serve have been trafficked since they were children. And so, they need yeah. help. They need a place, you know, so it's, it's important to serve all the demographics. There's some great children's programs too, in the city of Houston, such as Freedom Place. They're a great safe house for mm -hmm. um, child survivors of sex trafficking. Oh, okay. So, so y'all do encounter like children, but usually do y'all send them to the... Yeah. Yeah. We, we connect them to a, um, well, we connect them to law enforcement because you have to automatically do that. And then we, um, oh, okay. and then law enforcement would get them set up with something like Freedom Place. Absolutely. And then we, um, yeah, we serve with 18, women 18 and older at our facility. Okay. But do you see, so you, you said, you know, children and women, but do you see males? Or men, you know, men or do get trafficked. Um, a lot of young boys, um, a lot of people in homelessness, but it is definitely the majority of women, but men are definitely valid. Mm -hmm. And a lot yeah. of trans trans women, so biologically born male, they're very, mm -hmm. very at risk because a lot of companies will not hire transgendered women. Yeah. And that yeah. leaves them extremely vulnerable, especially trans women of color, probably the most vulnerable to sex trafficking and most vulnerable to violence in sex trafficking. And so my dream one day is that we would be able to even have a house for trans women, survivors of sex trafficking, but just to create a safe place for anybody, no matter who they are, no matter what they look like so that they can recover. But we do see young boys and things like that, child survivors of sex trafficking that are young men. And we need to erase the stigma of men survivors of, of any type of sexual assault, that it's not embarrassing or bad to talk about it. It's important that they feel safe to share their stories without judgment. Um, I totally agree. I, I feel like they definitely don't get the, the right attention or to even have the courage to be able to tell their story. Yeah. And the sad thing is, is that almost the almost entirety of offenders and buyers of sex are men. Very interesting. It's not unheard of that women buy sex, but it's very like, it's like under 1%. And so we yeah. want men to be a part of this issue too, and to hear these things and understand why we think men are better than having to pay to pretend someone to like them. That there's more, there's more than that, and that it there's fuels, more than that. Yeah, there's more than that, and it feels yeah. a highly violent, terrible industry of harm. It certainly does. I mean, it there's it's like this multitude of problems, but it's like where do you where do you focus? In the end, I think it's just like focusing on just the general human trafficking, and then and that's a great question, though. There, is, I guess. 
is like, what does everybody do? And it's different for everyone. And I, I don't think that, I do not think that everybody needs to go work for a nonprofit. I don't think that everybody needs to do this full time. I think that everybody and who God made them to be in their place just needs to be educated, to know what's happening, and then mm-hmm. see if there's something that they already do. Like business people, if they say, you know what, maybe we could have a hiring program that gives opportunity to survivors of human trafficking to be hired and to have training programs. Or maybe it's someone's a mom at home and they're like, well, what could I do? And you say, well, what if you mentored a young woman in a program and just said, hey, I'm going to call her once a week and ask her how her day's going. You know, that's a huge need. Or someone who, you know, feels like they should be a fundraiser. They say, you know what? I have friends with influence. Everybody has their place. And it's different for everybody. And that's a cool journey to kind of ask God and look at the mirror and kind of say, how can I engage in this fight? And I think everybody has a way that they can help. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, got to use the gifts that you were given and see what you're able to contribute to it. Absolutely. So the next thing is, what are the different ways that that you see this in Houston? Like Mm -hmm. most people are assuming, oh, it's just, you know, they get into this pimp or whatever situation. But listening to your podcast, I did hear about the cantinas and then the brothels and there's differences. Yes. Yes. And so we see three different types of sex trafficking. Usually we see the Latin American sex trafficking where women, mostly Mm -hmm. from Central South America, are being trafficked into cantinas or fake bars and seedy parts of town where they're selling the women. They have cantineras or like these waitresses that they... They are pimping out inside of this bar. One of the largest one of these places was shut down in the city of Houston. It like something like a, it was called uh, La Costanera. They had like 120 mm-hmm. women being trafficked at this one location. And there, you can look it up. There's a huge case about what happened. There's another place called the New Back Door Club. They had like 17 people rescued from, or no, they had, I forget how many women they had rescued from that. It's a huge, huge issue, Latin American um, trafficking. And then we see Asian women being trafficked into the massage parlors or reflexology clinics where you go in and you pay for a massage with a happy ending situation. And a lot of these women are trafficked oh. under the false claims of being able to come to America for work. And then they have a false smuggling debt. But they say, hey, we paid we paid 20 grand for you to get in and you can pay us back by working in this brothel. Then you can work in a restaurant. And that's a fake thing. You they, know, never pay, I, they never pay it back. They're always yeah, stuck no, in that brothel. Yeah. And I, that part kind of hits home because I'm from Mexico. And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and to all my listeners, I'll get into that story of, you know, me coming to America and all of that later on. But it always terrifies me to know that I could have potentially been in that situation. But if it weren't mm-hmm. for, you know, my parents being smart enough to like get us out of that situation. But th- the reality is, is a lot of Latin and Central American women are yes. told these lies and then they're brought over here. And like you said, they are put into those situations where they're sex trafficked. And absolutely, that's and all they can do, and there's no way out. Yes, there's no way out. And these men who are smart, I mean, they know they a lot of these parents are looking at their daughters, knowing they will either starve and die here, or they will go to America and mm-hmm. be raped and maybe be sold. And to know that that is their only option like it's heartbreaking and it's heartbreaking the mentality that people have towards Latin American individuals just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And the women are, I mean, you see the trails coming from through Mexico up through Falfurious, Texas. Mm-hmm. And there's bras hanging from trees where tra- these smugglers have marked kind of their territory. It's, it's devastating. 
It's absolutely devastating. They mark their territory with bras? Yeah, they have these like rape sites where they, while they're smuggling the women, they rape (gasps) the women. um, And there's these trees just covered in dozens of bras. And there's trees with like leashes attached to them where they've abused women there. And it's like this fear tactic. But, you know, my... My grandfather came here to America legally when he was 14. You know, like, I I just can't imagine if I was just one generation behind. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's terrifying to see those footsteps. And that's on U.S. soil that that's happening. That's that those rape trees and those places are happening in Texas once they're already in the U.S. And we have have pictures of it where our executive director walked the path in, in the Texas side of what these women see. And and it was horrifying, horrifying. Oh my gosh. Like that just, that gives me like, like, I, I don't even know how to feel you telling me this right now. Cause I, I'm, I'm, I'm grossed out. It almost makes me feel sick to even think that these women go through that. Yes. And there's complicity on, on all sides of whoever's working. And I don't know, I don't want to say too much, but some, there's a lot of things that I've heard and it's just, I don't know, it's a mess and we need, we need people. We need people who work near the border to advocate for these, these women desperately. Yeah. And so when we, when we can do our outreaches, we have people who speak Spanish to meet with these women in the cantinas to hear their stories and to, and to help them. Um, and that's something that we, it's just really close to our hearts. That makes me, it, it definitely, because I'm fluent in Spanish. So mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. that could be one. And I love hearing people's stories. Like that's why I do a podcast because I want to hear yeah. the people's stories and make others aware. But that might be some a route that I may take is like, yeah. use the, that I know Spanish or I speak Spanish and be able to like listen to these women and see how we can help them. Absolutely. And and it's, we meet women who they were, they were thriving in Guatemala, but then MS-13 burned down their shop and used that as a fear tactic. So coming yeah. here and being trafficked in a cantina was their only option. So that's, that's definitely a big way we see trafficking. There's those two. And then of course, the majority of what we see is actually the domestic trade of American women in the U.S. and hotels on the street, online, through pornography. And that's the majority of our clients. All of our clients in our safe home were from the U.S. Uh, Well, except for, but mostly them are from the U.S., trafficked in the U.S. on the street or online in every hotel. Nice hotels, bad hotels, there's trafficking in all of them. I mean, I've heard that about like nice hotels. You know, you go Mm -hmm. and if you're having dinner at one of these nicer places and then they're like, oh, well, usually I had a friend that actually could always spot like who was being trapped uh-huh. or almost like a prostitute or what what you may call uh-huh. it and she would always mm-hmm. be like oh that person is and I was like no way they don't look like I could never tell like she because yeah. she had a psychology major so she was always like studying that kind of thing and yeah she's like oh no there's there's way more and you, you just don't realize it absolutely and prostituted women they have they're in when you're trying to survive you will be the best actress on the planet and act like you're having a good time and mm. and the thing is is some people see a woman maybe in really nice shoes with really nice hair and maybe mm-hmm. you know and they think oh well, she's not being trafficked but they absolutely can be to look like that and be trafficked. And then they're seeing the same kind of harm that the girl on the street is seeing, but their pimp just keeps them dressed nicer because it's a different product for a different clientele. It's, it's just horrible. And so 
almost all of these women have someone exploiting them behind the scenes, taking their money, holding their money. They don't, they're not making their money for themselves. And we even try to change people's hearts around prostitution itself because most prostitution situations are either for survival or because somebody is exploiting them. There are very, very few women who are being a prostitute or being prostituted because they enjoy it or because they think it's the best way to make a living. Mm -hmm. And the systems of poverty, if you have a felony and you have no way to support your family and then you are in an area where it's there's just lots of ways where it's like okay you can you can drink cyanide or you can drink bleach is that a choice no it's a lack of choices you know exactly and this concludes this week's episode of life is full of daisies with part one of my interview with sam hernandez from elijah rising and i just want to thank you all for tuning in and really just listening and helping us spread awareness and i just want to encourage you all to share this episode spread the word because knowledge is power and I truly believe that if we can all band together and bring hope to a lot of to all the people in human and sex trafficking we can make a difference we can make a big impact and I truly truly want you all to know that this is something that was I've been nervous and scared to even discuss because I just don't know how people will receive it or accept it but the reality is is this is something that is happening all around the world and especially here in Houston, and we can do our part, even if it's at a small scale, to truly be able to help and advocate for this. I I truly thank you all for that. And I also want to let you know that they're going to be having a virtual gala on October 17th, where you can all join in and you, you, you get to hear testimonials from real women that were in sex trafficking and human trafficking. So go on their website. I'll link the website and their Instagram so that you all have the information. And on the following weeks, I will be helping spread the word and advocating and you you all feel free to do so as well so that way we can all contribute in some form so with that said join us next week as we continue our conversation and we get into more details as far as what grooming is and just even more information about how all of this happens and then there are the ways that we can all help even in the smaller scale so tune in for next week's episode and with all that said let's get into this week's daisy seed which this one i found on her uplifting quotes on instagram and here it goes i hope one day i will be able to look back on my journey and say even though things did not always go my way i was patient enough to let life unfold itself in the best way and again that is from her uplifting quotes and this quote was it's just inspiring because sometimes we are completely out of control of what's happening around us chaos with it all with a pandemic it's like we picture 2020 being this thriving year of us all just living our best lives and in reality it really has set us back and has made us sit and try to redirect our lives in a different manner and just make the best of it so sometimes it's just allowing things to happen and whatever is put in your heart whatever urge is is or push that you know the universe or god is telling you to do Sometimes just let it unfold, you know, just go with the feel and see what happens because you don't know where it will take you. And we only have three more months of this year, whatever it may hold, who knows? I do really hope that you take the time to invest in yourself and really find who you are because once all this is over, we're going to be able to travel back and we'll be back in our busy lives 
where we will regret not taking that time to really find ourselves and really dive into who we are as a person. So take the time, be you, do you, live your best life and live your truth. Y'all have an amazing week. And don't forget to follow us on Life is Full of Daisies on Instagram where you can DM me or you can email me at hellodaisy at gmail.com. And don't forget to go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review, which helps me grow this, grow and reach a bigger platform. As always, y'all are amazing and know that you are loved. And don't forget to do an act of kindness and be kind along the way. Bye.